Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bake with a legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favorite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake with a Legend at Home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithalegend.com or email info at bakewithalegend.com. The only time I've really come across charcoal in baking before is make is dog biscuits and it's supposed to reduce wind. So <laughs> I'm wondering if they were all very worried about perhaps controlling their flatulence with their nerves and decided they're all going to eat charcoal. Well, hello. Welcome back to episode three of the Bake Down podcast. I'm Josh Landy, the founder of Bake with a Legend, alongside former contestants Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle. So, Howard, really exciting. I mean, it's a baking podcast, and we're going to get to talk about vegetarian burgers. I mean, that's all I could ever dream of. <laughs> that was a bit of a surprise, that all, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I must say, I can imagine that for weeks, and as the days go by, as you're thinking about going into the tent, you think of loads of things you could be spending your time on making. And yeah. I imagine vegetarian burgers is fairly low down on that <laughs> idea. Absolutely. And, and I um, I wouldn't really have, have, have expected Paul to have been a great fan of vegetarian burgers. Maybe I'm being a bit... Uh, maybe I, I, I'm not getting what Paul is about, but... Uh... Well, you'd have expected maybe, what, Jane, a, a full, fully-fledged meat burger that they could have I gone for. I would have thought it would have been a big, beefy one. I did notice he didn't take a big bite out of anything. He took a very delicate little fork, well, not even full, from the side. So I think Howard's right. I don't think he's really a veggie burger man at all. Look, we'll, we'll come on to um, the burger rolls and the, the veggie burgers in, in due course. But uh, firstly, thanks so much for all the lovely feedback that people have been sending in from far and wide. I, I've made a note here. We've got five listeners in New Zealand. Howard, do you reckon they're for you or for Jane, the five listeners in New Zealand? Are they, <laughs> you got a fan club there? 
I don't, I, I've not, I don't think I've got any fans in New Zealand. Not that I'm aware of in New Zealand. So I think they're yours, Jane, the New Are Zealand they? fans. I, don't, yeah. I, I think perhaps we'll share, share them. Share how, lovely, how lovely that they tuned in. I must say, um, you know, I've mentioned it. We've got, you, you see some stats online about who's listening. Uh, you've got four in South Korea, three in Portugal, two in Finland, and we've got a listener out in Indonesia. But about 25% of our listeners are coming from the United States of America. Oh. Which I mean, we've mentioned about this amazing following in America, but I couldn't believe it when I saw the amount of Americans and also Canadians that have been tuning in, which yeah, is lovely. Absolutely, and we 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 do get Americans coming along to break with the legend classes we and do. things like that. It's it's really interesting, and um, you know, just people who were over in in the UK just for a holiday and they still book for a class, which is. A lovely thing to do. Just a couple of weeks ago, you had some Americans at, at your class. Absolutely. And they know all about the show and your series and, and everything. They know everything. Yeah, they know they know more about me than I do myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've got somebody that's booking their holiday around a class next year who sadly couldn't make it this year because she'd had to have an operation. Oh, I remember this, yeah. Yeah, so I think she's um, looking to come next year with her niece, I think. She got in contact yeah. this week. And I had, I'm a great um, NCIS fan and all those sort of American crime drama things. And I had somebody who's been in those shows contact me for a recipe. And I'm like, would you like me to bring a copy over myself? I mean, I'm a huge <laughs> fan. So um, I, I love the American followers. They're just so enthusiastic and so warm. So lovely yeah. to know that they're long, tuning into the podcast as long well. may they continue Absolutely. Well, look, regardless of where you're from do keep telling your friends about the the podcast and that we exist and uh we uh, we appreciate your support there's been some lovely reviews that have been been left on the apple podcast or other platforms so we very much appreciate it and just remind about that we do have plenty of classes available if you want to book yourself or some friends onto them uh, particularly whilst bake off is back on tv we're in the our lovely kitchen in Broadway Market every single Saturday during the show with a variety of the bakers leading all sorts of classes. Howard, you did one the week before last, didn't you? you were I there. did, you yeah. yeah. So How did I, it go? It, it went very well. So um, uh, we, we've got more coming up, but this one was a sort of dessert week kind of, uh, which we obviously haven't had on Bake Off yet. But, no. uh, well, we don't know if it's coming dessert week. I know, that's true. Presume so. Yeah. You never know. Oh. Well, pudding of some description, I would have thought. Is that something in the last couple of years? Yeah. Well, certainly my year, um, certainly the year after, I think. So hopefully a dessert. I like the dessert week, so good one. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say was we, we had lovely messages from both Alice and David about listening to this podcast. So it's lovely the idea that there's two people who are on the series this year who, who have been in touch. And I obviously, I, I, you know, you message back and you say, thank you so much for listening and, you know, we really appreciate it and we're enjoying watching you and we hope you do well. But I'm interested, did, did you have any of the bakers who have been on previous series get in touch whilst the show was on air? Do you remember that, Jane? No, I don't. But then I was very new to Instagram and Twitter. It was a completely new thing for me. So I don't remember them getting in touch. But I think as the years have gone on... Sounds like we were on ages ago, but over the last two or three years, I think people getting in touch has really grown and um, we all try and follow the bakers and some of the, some of the people in my series make sure they always track down whatever their Twitter address or their Instagram um, address is and follow. So I think because we message them, they message back. David's been in touch with me, actually, because I was I think I commented on his 
fruitcake recipe last week yeah. or week, week before last and he's got in touch and hopefully you know we can meet up in the future which would be really lovely it's always a joy to meet the new bakers and old bakers and you know everyone in between I, i'm just interested how this idea that people are are wishing you well while it's on air it's it's, it's a tough balance it because you don't know what to say yeah it's a tricky one actually i mean i think you want to keep it um you you want to ensure that the fans and the the viewers out there um don't get too many spoilers really so i think that they don't want to know who's who's going out but then obviously you've got friends who do know what happened i remember there was one particular incident when the program first got broadcast a friend of mine on facebook put a message saying um, something like, good luck uh, in the series, still think you should have won. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, we, this is only the first episode. You're not supposed to reveal the fact that I don't win, you know. <laughs> so we had to sort of gently say, can you please take that message down, yeah. We talked about how we don't know if Dessert Week is coming. One week you always know that is coming when it comes to Great British Bake Off is Bread Week. And it is an absolute staple uh, and a famous week, one that has been in Bake Off since the very start. And the first thing, Jane, we've spoken about Henry's fan club here, I would say, in the last couple (laughs) of weeks. And we drew uh, attention to the fact that he wore a lovely tie for episode two. But wow, he's back with a tie, episode three, Jane. I mean, are you surprised to see? This is obviously he's trying to be memorable. He is the first man, I think, to regularly go for a tie in the tent. I think he's the only man to ever wear a tie in the tent at any time. And I think maybe he is making it his thing now. Although I don't think he needs to. I think he's perfectly memorable. And I think his baking speaks for itself. So if he chooses to wear a tie, that's fine. I do like a nice, smart young man. Gosh, I sound like uh, <laughs> some very old lady now. Um, we, we lost one 20-year-old uh, in Jamie last week, but Henry very much doing it for the 20-year-olds. How are your memories of, of Bread Week? How, how do you feel it went for you? I'm, I'm looking back. You made Moroccan breadsticks. You came 10th in your technical for your English muffins, and then you went with a Picasso sunbread. Oh, gosh. Bread Week. I loved Bread Week, but it was it was full of some very odd memories. So I remember one of the strange things that Bake Off does is that it sets you a signature challenge, and this is supposed to be something that you bake at home regularly. And to be perfectly frank, I had never made breadsticks before. So to to actually say, what is your signature breadstick? It's like, I've got to make this up, haven't I? I've got to pretend that I have a signature breadstick. So I did these Moroccan flavoured, which were, were sort of had razzle hanout and sort of preserved lemons and things like that in them. And I can still remember when it came to judging, they'd not been baked long enough. And Paul Hollywood's um, sort of, chunky little digits, <laughs> fondling this very soft breadstick. Howard, <laughs> oh, you're getting very bake-off here. No, <laughs> yes, Paul Hollywood fondled my breadstick. No, um, it, it sort of, they, yeah, they were soft and not 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 great. I mean, they, they said they'd got great flavour, but um, they just needed to be crisper for a breadstick. So, yeah. And then the uh, English muffins. Oh, my goodness. I'd put some muffins to... Uh, rise under a tea towel and was getting on with with actually cooking four of them I think we got to eight or, or whatever so four of them were on the griddle and the others were re- were rising under a tea towel and and then Sue uh, Perkins came and and spoke to me 
and didn't realise that I'd got some muffins still under this tea towel. So she leaned on the <laughs> on the work service to, to chat to me and um, managed to put her elbow into the middle of my English muffins. So, yeah, Sue so Perkins So Sue crushed your muffins. She did. She elbowed my muffins, yeah. <laughs> and Jane, just uh, briefly, your, your memories of Bread Week, I'm looking back, uh, chocolate and cranberry grown, but you came ninth in technical. Oh, gosh, damp noodle. Don't mention damp noodle to me. These oh, they steam. You sort of steam them and cook them in a... In a liquid, and I, I'd never seen anything like it before, and I really never want to see anything like it again, quite honestly. Just the name Damp Noodle sends me into a cold sweat. Um, I think I think the thing for me with Bread Week, and it's something that I don't think listeners or viewers will fully appreciate, is for us it was our third week, uh, as this week, and it had been really, really cold. Uh, so you head into the tent bright and early in the morning and all your ingredients and your bowls and things are out on your bench and it's frosty outside. So as always, they give you no time for a double proof, three hours for a double proof that they had this time. And I think we had something very similar and it's really, really tight to get them proved twice and baked. Mm. And at home in your kitchen, when all your ingredients are at room temperature, it's, it's fine there. Everything was sort of down at almost zero degrees. And consequently, nothing proves in time. And we didn't realise that. Second second day, we put all our stuff into the proving drawer to warm it up once we were checking it. So everybody is always going to struggle that week. So if anybody's listening that's applying, make sure you warm up your, make, make sure you warm up your bread. So, yeah, it, it's a tough one. And I think, as always, time is the thing that makes people look silly. Uh, three hours is not enough time to get a decent, tasty loaf. I know we're all in the same boat and we're whacking in our flavours. And you also have to put in as much yeast as you can to get it to rise, which in itself doesn't actually add to the flavour. You need a good old slow rise. Um, I love Bread Week. I thought it was fantastic for uh, for us. But there were there are always these hurdles and these this learning curve that you really just like to pass on to somebody else because... I was surprised they didn't really have many raw breads this week. Yeah, and we did. I, you know, there was. I think. I think our year, Candice even poor old Candice had this gorgeous loaf that Paul refused to even eat. Yeah, Crisis I mean, in the tent we uh, had. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I seem to remember in, in your series, Candice had gone from having such a strong, you know, week two to then being one of the least favourites, uh, you know, immediately the following week and being in danger of, you know, potentially going. But obviously, yes, if only she'd gone, maybe I'd have won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the signature from uh, from this week in the tent. They were challenged to make a, a, a filled tear and share loaf. The instructions were that it was sweet or savoury, must be made with yeasted bread dough, then shaped and baked as one loaf, ready to be torn apart. And the fillings were up to them, and it was a, a three-hour challenge, which I know, Jane, you said that the, the timings are always a challenge. Paul had said to be careful it wasn't as simple as you think, and, and Prue had sort of said it must be filled with something delicious and how important it was to get a good base dough. So just... Firstly, Howard, how tough a challenge do you think that is and and what do you think about having the three hours? I think it is a tough challenge. I mean, I think it's interesting that that nowadays some of the signature challenges are looking more and more like showstoppers. So I I think, um, you know, people are putting a real effort into the, the presentation. So it's not just about that it's 
it's a tear and shale of which should have good flavours. I think people are really pulling out all the stops and trying to do something which is visually uh, appetising and interesting as well. Just Jane, just for, for those that haven't made bread before, which is probably a fairly significant amount of people listening, just talk to us about the proving process because you know they try they always try to explain it as much and that's part of the narration that is done by Noel, uh, of course that, that we hear. But he's talking about improving the live yeast ferments and creates gas. That that's what causes the dough to rise. Yes, it does. So the the yeast, as far as I know, I'm no, not a great scientist, so don't quote me on this. But yes, so the the, the yeast sort of gives off some sort of gas that then creates the air pockets and the whole thing lifts up. And I've never been 100% sure why we double-proof, to be honest. And and I think it's to give you a better structure and a better strength. But I do, if I'm in a hurry, do some single-proof breads. Right. And my year, Andrew was the only one that single-proofed his signature. And Paul came and raised his, his very famous eyebrow. Um, and actually, I think Andrew made the best loaf that day, and Paul, I don't know whether he got a handshake for it, but Paul said it was absolutely delicious. So I was thinking that the guys this time should possibly have gone for a single proof, Mm. as long as you can get your flavours in there, and as long as you're very careful on the proof and you don't over-proof or under-proof, I think they could have probably got away with it. I guess that it's always this challenge, and they try to explain it during the episode. It's it's how long to prove, how long to bake, and you just have to find the right mix out. Yeah, and, and particularly when they're doing something for a technical challenge as well, um, this can be quite often something w- which you haven't baked yourself so b- before. So you are literally relying on your instinct to know how long to, to prove it for, how long to bake it for. We'll come on to Michael and his handshake, uh, which was obviously the first of the series and very exciting. But were there any others that, that caught your eye, Howard? I mean, we had uh, Alice, who'd gone with you know, loads of baklava. Amelia had this chorizo brunch tear and share. David, a cinnamon swirl. Helen, her frosted cinnamon and pecan. Uh, Michelle, going back very much to her Welsh roots, which seems to be a, a, a theme every single week. And Noss and Cores, which is cheese night. Wait, which one leapt out to you? Um, I... I... Generally, I've got more of a savoury tooth, so I, w- I was erring towards the, the kind of cheesy ones. I did like Rosie's chilli and manchego. I liked the, the sound of that. Um, and Steph with her sun-dried tomato and pesto as well. So. Yeah, Ro- Rosie's got really lovely feedback uh, from Prue. She said, that that's heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and soft light flavour. And, and Paul also congratulated her on some fantastic flavours. Um, so very strong, and and Steph, she was told it good shape, but overbaked. But um, you know, it did look it did look quite nice. Jane, did, let's talk us through the the first handshake of the series, mm-hmm. Michael's uh, Carolyn Starbread. Well, it was beautiful, wasn't it? I think Starbreads are again one of those things that are quite popular. I think Louis from I can't remember which series. It was the first time I'd ever seen a Starbread. He he's I've seen I've seen that on online and actually made Starbreads myself. But I've never never seen it with a different color layer in there. And I thought it was stunning, yeah. absolutely stunning. He did a brilliant job. Lovely flavors, you know, the coconut and chili. Um, I just wanted to eat it. I I, I think. It was it was absolutely beautiful. He did a great job. And what I really liked about it was he'd found something that looked nice, decided he was going for a relatively straightforward, I think, signature, 
But one that we'd all want to do is it it isn't too hard, but actually really knocks your socks off visually and then put the flavours in. I think when you're trying to plan a bake-off recipe um, for the challenges, that's that ticks all the boxes. You don't want to put yourself under too much pressure, but you want people to think that you actually really struggled with it. Now, he, he, he just did a brilliant job. I thought he deserved his handshake. And, and he his was obviously the real standout, both visually and flavour-wise as well. I'm Yeah, I was very impressed. And he was very sweet when he got told he got his handshake. He said, my mum is going to cry and he couldn't wait to tell his friends. Yeah. Just talk to us about the handshakes in this tent, Howard. But how many, how many handshakes did you witness and how excited is everyone when you get a handshake? Because it's been made out into be such a big thing, but then it seems, and I haven't got the stats, so maybe I should, but it, it seems there's been more handshakes in the last couple of series than, I, than maybe I there think, were I used to be. I think I have got the stats. Yes, oh, this is I, absolutely yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. this Howard, you've done your homework. <laughs> so well, go on. Well, so was. apparently, um, th- no, no handshakes in series one, no handshakes in series two. And the first handshake was Ryan in Series 3, and it was the only handshake of that series. Okay. So the series that I was in, Series 4, only one handshake again. Uh, Francis got a handshake, um, and that was it. Were you in the tent when Francis No, I wasn't in the tent. I'd gone at that point, yeah. So it was like... Series five, only two handshakes in the series, so uh, Norman and, and Louis. And then it starts to, to kind of pick up a little bit. So um, series six, there were three, Paul, Tamal and Nadia. Uh, and then series four, well, Jane, seven. you got one, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I got a double. I uh, got series seven, two hands. there were four, yeah. Jane, Candice, Selassie and Tom, so, yeah. And then, then series eight. Series eight, seven. Uh, it's unrecognisably grown in yes, terms of. I yeah. was right. My gut was right. Yeah, and series nine. Uh, the the research that I'd seen was only halfway through series nine. Okay. But halfway through, they'd already had eight. So oh. it's like, yeah, that's quite a lot. And of course, there have been handshakes in the Christmas specials and things like that. Of course, but, but hang on, we yeah. we can't be. And I know that they said. I think it was a bit one of the maybe series one that the standard is is always getting higher. But it can't be getting higher to the extent where you've gone from one handshake in your series to, you know, eight, <laughs> nine in, in the recent series. Um, I, I, or do you think it's just become more of a thing so they've encouraged Paul to give out more? Is that a possibility, Jane? Mm, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think for certain challenges, the standard is phenomenal and they're all great bakers. I'm not doing that down. I think maybe Paul's going soft in his old age. I think maybe he's going a bit more for the nice guy. When Mary was on it, she was always the mellow, kind, always find something positive, even if it was a complete car crash of a bake. Now, Prue's there, and I love her honesty. There's no messing about with Prue. And maybe Paul doesn't feel that he needs to be quite so mean. That could be. Well, give us your memories of when you got yours. Oh, when I got mine, in, I got mine in the final, and it was for my signature. We had to make a pavlova. So there was Andrew was judged first, 
And then they came round to Candice, who had produced this extraordinarily beautiful pavlova, and she got a handshake. And I was behind thinking, well, that's it. They'll never dish out two handshakes in, in one bake. And Paul clearly loves pavlova, and mine was a bit yummy, even though I say so myself. Um, and he gave me a double handshake. So I didn't get just the one, I got my hand wow. sandwiched between his two and it was like yes <laughs> Howard have you got the stats on double handshakes is, is James <laughs> no, the only I've one I've got the stats on double handshake. but interesting what you said there uh, because it wasn't until uh, the last series series 9 that Paul gave out a handshake for anything other than a signature bait so he gave a whole one in, in a showstopper which was the first time that he'd done that so I think it was very much up until that point oh. a, a recognition of doing well in a in a signature bay. Oh, interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations to Michael. Fantastic, uh, Carolyn Starbread, and well deserving of the first handshake of the series. Now we've had some questions in from the listeners. Uh, firstly, Spencer has emailed us. Howard, he wants to know about wearing the same clothes um, on both days. And what do you do if you've made a huge mess of your clothes on day one, if you've got a huge stain? Yeah, I think it just helps, really, because obviously when it comes to the editing, um, the, what they want to do is have as much freedom as possible to be able to to cut and put things in, in different orders. I think having the same clothes just gives them the the opportunity to do that. I, I don't know what you would do. I, I remember one person, I think it was Christine Wallace, who who got a rip in her top and had to desperately try and, and mend it the uh, So she night. did wear it the following day? Yeah, she did wear it the following day because you, you're sort of uh, obliged to do that. Um, but I don't think I don't think if you... Well, presumably, if you got something down it, you just have to try and wash it as much as possible overnight. I imagine Henry has turned up with two identical ties, just in case, because he wouldn't want to fear that a tie <laughs> would be looking even a little bit messy. So that's imagine what Henry's been up to. So it's uh, it's to do with continuation. I, I guess they're they're filming, and if they get a reaction on day two that they want for day one. But Jane, is that yes, the same thing? Yes, I can just confirm that because I think one showstopper day they'd forgotten to ask me something the day before about my bake because you know we all get taken outside and interviewed, so we had to go outside and and re, uh, record something about the previous day's bake. Now if I'd been wearing something different it wouldn't have all tied together well. So don't think that happens very often, but it's just for continuity in case they do something like that. Do you think there's any truth in the rumour that the presenters and judges get their clothes laundered overnight? Well, I don't know. One week, there was some chocolate knocking about. There was talking chocolate knocking about a lot. And Mel was wearing um, a lovely yellow blazer. And she had chocolate all over it and it wasn't there the following day. Mm. So I think somebody had cleaned it for them. Mm. But what we used to do is if we got particularly, well, the early stages, we were washing stuff out and sticking it on the radiator in the hotel room. Um, but at the end, we didn't really care. So if we if we smelt a bit, well, then that was just too bad. <laughs> Thanks for Spencer to that question that came into the bakedown at bakewithalegend.com. Uh, Paul Bentley has also been in touch. Um, he wants to know, Jane, do, do you feel that everyone gets a fair edit in the show? Um, he said sometimes it feels that some of the contestants come across better or seem to get more airtime. Um I, I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because in the early stages, certainly this year, you've got 13 people 
and the amount of footage they shoot to try and give a fair representation of what the show's like is enormous. I We always try and work it out. I have no proper figures, but it's got to be at least 100 hours that's then got to be cut down um, into an hour or now, whatever it is, an hour and a quarter show. I have no inside information of this, but I've, I've always felt that if somebody's doing really, really well, you'll get some airtime. If somebody's doing really, really badly, you'll get airtime because there's a good chance you're going out. If somebody's kind of somewhere in the middle of the pack and there are 12, 10, 11 people, then you might not get as much airtime because you'll be on next week and hopefully the week after. So I think it is a difficult one um, for the editors to try and cover everything. So if you're being kind of just sort of a bit meh in the middle, then you probably won't. I think also what they're looking for as well, um, quite often uh, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but but they're looking for people on a journey. So they're looking for bits of story arc as well. So if somebody has had a particularly good week and uh, the previous week and then now they are really, really struggling, um, it's bound to be of interest to the viewers to see that contrast. Um, so I, I, I think you will get a certain amount of that as well. Well, I hope that's answered your question, Paul. Do keep your questions coming. The Baked Out at BakeWithLegend.com or you can tweet us at BakeWithALegend. This week's episode of The Baked Out is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Chocolate. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. So let's move on to talking about the technical in this week's challenge. We did allude to it right at the top of the show. The challenge was to make eight white burger baps and just four veggie burgers to go in them. And they were given two and a half hours to do this, Jane. Why did they have to make eight white burger baps and just four veggie burgers? Why were they not eight uh, veggie burgers? Demanded? I suspect they didn't want to throw too much stuff in the bin, quite honestly. I mean... I can't see the crew all rushing to snaffle those burgers. Right. I I would have liked to have had the recipe because my boy, my son, is um, a vegetarian and I'm constantly trying new recipes for veggie burgers. Um, I don't know. They just gave them something to do. In a technical, that was... I'd like to... I'm sorry, guys. It's a relatively simple thing to make, the burger baps. Well, I thought, well, and there's a lot of sitting around waiting for things to prove, so they wanted to fill the time. Well, that's even as you know, as a viewer and the and the non-baker out the three of us, it did seem surprisingly straightforward for you know for for a, a bake-off challenge. But Michael had a really lovely line which I enjoyed. He said, "If I learn how to do this, then great. If not, I'll carry on buying them like everyone else." And they very much are something that you you do probably grab if you're going to have a barbecue and you've got people coming around. You do think of them as a as a staple. But um, Howard, would you have enjoyed the challenge of making these white? burger baps i would actually because i think obviously burger baps tend to get a bit of a bad press because if you go to fast food places they're a bit soft and tasteless and and so on but these to me look look like my mum's kind of bread cakes so they're, they're the kind of thing that i've done from being a child so i, I could do a, a a white if you want to call it a bread cake or a burger bap or whatever i certainly think i could have tackled that without with that too much uh, hassle, really. The thing that surprised me with this bread week, we were told, true or not, that if 
you didn't have a lot of bread experience, there's a good chance you wouldn't be picked for the show because bread is such a big thing with Paul. Now, I have no insights on the, um, the, the, what do you call it, audition process. But Henry, at the beginning, going, well, I don't really have much experience of bread. It's amazing how much you can learn in four days. So either they've changed a criteria or... The bakers are just not as prepared as I thought they ought to be. I would have made bread, bread, bread and more bread if, I, if I'd if i been, well, and did um, when I applied to the show. So maybe that was an issue for them. You know, people are worried about how long they'll cook them for, how long they'll prove them for. And I, don't, I just, it just worried me about how much preparation they'd done or how much experience they'd had on one of what I consider to be one of the main bakes on Bake Off is is a bread. Well, Paul did, did say it's it's not as easy as you think and you have to develop the gluten properly and if you don't, it can be more like a cake and it needed really, you know, good kneading. So I, he, I almost felt he was trying to build up its difficulty to, to the viewer and he, he did concede it's 90% about the rolls and was only going to be 10% about the, the veggie burger. This, to me, felt a little bit like there was a point in, was it last year's final where they went outside the tent and, you know, it felt more food, you know, the veggie burgers... It, Remind you of that, Howard? Because you didn't indeed. have anything like this yeah. in your year. No, no. I, I think people, I think what they've learned over the years is, as Jane was saying, when you're doing bread, you can end up with, with periods where you are sort of sitting and waiting quite a lot. And I loved that because, you you know, the, the bake-off experience is so kind of full-on that actually to have a little bit of time to sit on your stool and have a cup of tea and have a chat with the other people that are in the tent is lovely. There were people in, in our year, and one in particular, Francis, who <laughs> ended up winning, uh, who would push the boat out and make their own butter or something like that while while their bread was uh, was proving. So I think they, they, they filled their time by mm. doing something else. And I think what they've realised over the years is actually that's quite a good thing. If you get people to do something like make a jam or whatever whilst you're waiting for, for the bread to prove or, or to bake, um, it's it's actually occupying them. So I think that's basically what the burgers were there for, really. It makes sense. They want to make sure there's a bit of drama almost to the time. You've got to keep your eye and being distracted by them to make the veggie burger means you've got to think about how long you're proving and then how long it's in the baking. So you are a bit distracted. I think there was also a bit of a, a, of a technical element as well, because if you are making a burger bout, it I suppose it does have to hold a burger. Yes. And that was one way of testing and whether, not all it, of them whether did. it works. No, exactly. And often seems to refer to wanting the dough to get to double the size. Is that just a rough estimate of trying to make sure it's the right? I mean, we always say, certainly on the first prove, let it double in size. And at one point, I think Noel was saying something about, oh, it's it's all very important to get the prove right and too long and it'll collapse. But actually, if it collapses on the first prove, it's not a disaster. You just give it a bit of a squish about and... And then shape it. If it collapses after the second prove, you have to squish it about again and reshape it. It will come back to life. So it's hard to judge whether something's proved correctly. And there's no hard and fast. But generally, if it's doubled in size or if you press the top and your fingerprint 
bounces back, then it's about done. Um, if it collapses, it's overdone. And if you leave a fingerprint in the middle, then it still needs to be proved a little bit longer. I mean, it's a very rough rule of thumb, really. OK, that's good to know. Howard, uh, when they showed Amelia holding this extra as she called it, 10% of her dough, you knew what was coming. <laughs> there was no way that that was just not going to come back into into the show. And and why did she leave it out? I, I think it is, do you know, sometimes it, it, it is, it, there's two things that happen in the tent. Sometimes you, your um, common sense just disappears from you. So you, you, you sort of think, you, you begin these kind of internal arguments about whether you should do something or not. And uh, I, I, I suppose I'm one of one of the kind of people who who generally judges things by eye. But Bake Off does en- encourage you to kind of weigh things out and be much more precise. Uh, and I think she was just having that bit of a struggle. You know, she she'd obviously already got her her dough shaved, and then ended up with these bits left over. Um, I mean, you could tuck them inside. Would it have made much difference? I don't know. Well, I'm not sure it made much difference, it, or it would have made much difference, but she came 11th, Jane, which mm. wasn't a huge shock. Phil, 10th, uh, you know, disappointing for him. And then it was 9th, Rosie, then Helena, Alice, Michael, Michelle, Priya. And then when we came to the top three, I mean, you know, Steph, David, and in and, and your biggest or, or your potentially favourite <laughs> contestant, Henry. I mean, they, they were great. He did fantastically. You know, I, they did. They did really, really well. I think they all did pretty well, to be honest. It's very difficult for us. They all look pretty good. And we've seen some disastrous technicals over the years where you look at the table and go, oh, my goodness, it was absolutely horrific. But I thought they all did pretty well. And, yes, some obviously just did a little bit better than others. Henry, great. He is a good natural baker, I think. David, I think, is one of those ones I might be looking at for, you know, potential finalist or semi-finalist. I think he's just fantastic. And Steph, too. I really like the way Steph thinks and and bakes and her flavours. But I don't think there was much to put between them. I mean, to be judged, it was supposed to be however much on the bacon, however much on the burgers. But, you know, there seemed to be a lot of comments about the burgers didn't fit the buns. I think that actually there wasn't much to choose between them. They did have to put them in order, but, you know, well done, Henry, for coming first. But I I wouldn't be too upset if I were Amelia for coming last because I didn't think she did such a bad job, really. It's time for self-raising selfies. This is the bit in the show we wanted to hear from you, the listeners, about whether you have ever met someone who was on the Great British Bake Off. You can email us at thebakedown at bakewithlegend.com. You can tweet us at bakewithlegend. We're also, of course, on Instagram and Facebook at bakewithlegend. And this week, Andrew has tweeted us. He says, I was on the way to a recording of An Extra Slice and was sure I was sat next to Tom Gillerford on the underground who was reading a book. I didn't ask him. And later on, when I attended the recording... I realised it was, of course, Tom, and I followed up on this. And, of course, you know, they were on the way to watch Tom in his week of an extra slice. It's just that uncertainty, isn't it, Jane? You get people who stare at you, you think they know, but you can't really be like, oh, by the way, I know what you're thinking. It it is me. (laughs) Yes, it'd be that Bridget Jones moment, wouldn't it, where that chap is actually sitting on somebody's coat and he goes, yes, 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 I was that person in whatever. (laughs) Yes, you'd feel such a fool, don't you? But um, I think the thing is, as the series go on, so I was 2016, you were 2014, Howard. 13, yeah. 
we become familiar faces. People are never quite sure whether we work down the doctor's surgery or at work in the sort of canteen at school, whether we are actually somebody they know in person or recognise on a daily basis or we are somebody that's been on, on telly. And I think if you're in doubt, and it's anybody from the Bake Off, we would always be delighted to chat to you. Absolutely delighted. I know Tom would have been particularly delighted. So if you see him now, do tap him on the shoulder and say, hello, are you Tom from Bake Off? And then if you're not somebody from Bake Off and somebody is horrible to you, well, just just, just well, smile sweetly it. and say, I'm terribly sorry. Um, clearly you're not famous or you're not nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so have you, have you ever been around anyone, Howard, talking about Bake Off not realising you just they happen to be talking about Bake Off because we talked about the millions that watch it invariably you might just overhear conversations about Bake Off oh yeah yeah I remember uh, one in particular where I was on a train and I could hear this woman at the other end of the train and she was uh, I think she'd had a little bit of drink <laughs> and she said I tell you it's off Bake Off <laughs> <laughs> but it's strange how people want to have these conversations but then don't want to involve you in them yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? Yeah. So it's time to talk about the showstopper challenge from uh, from Bread Week. The challenge was to create a display of artistically scored decorative loaves. They were told the display must include two impressively sized loaves, but it was all about decoration and about the scoring. And they had five hours to do this, uh, which does seem like a, a huge amount. But uh, they were told they needed to be really, really beautiful loaves. There's obviously Howard, you, you got to need, proof, score. This was a, quite an interesting one to watch. I loved this. Do you know, I, I think, Jenny um, and I were talking about this earlier, that some of the challenges over the years have become so far removed from kind of everyday baking. But actually, scoring a loaf is a real skill. And I think, I can't believe it's taken so long for them to actually have this as a challenge on, on Bake Off. Um, I think there are other things, you know, like um, decorative piping, uh, using an icing bag and, and so on. We just don't see enough of kind of traditional real skills of baking. Um yeah, it went through a period where everything was stacking, you know, let's stack cheesecakes, let's stack pies and things like that. And I think actually getting back to something which is very much a kind of fundamental of baking is, is really encouraging. So I thought it was a great challenge. Jane, just so how how tricky is this? Because they were showing us about how you have to cut through the skin of the dough. You want to get cracks open up a, a little bit. How skillful do you have to be to get this right? Well, I, I'm i not going to lie. I really haven't done it very much okay. at all. Um, I have started doing it. If you want it to split open as though it was a sourdough, give it a good old deep cut. But if you want to put a pattern on it, um, put smaller cuts in. And I, I thought this challenge, like as Howard said, it is so good to see it going back to some skills that actually we could all use at home uh, it, if anybody wants to make bread it doesn't have to be sourdough it doesn't have to be some of the fancy artisan breads it will work with any loaf that you're you're baking um and i thought it was the most brilliant challenge i i loved it it it, it was accessible um the flavors were great i think if anybody doesn't make bread this is the sort of challenge that would encourage you to go and give it a go i thought it was fantastic yes, you can, you... more charcoal though 
What is this well, charcoal? <laughs> charcoal feature again. <sighs> but I agree with you, Jane. It, it came across as, as fun and a chance to almost show some of their personalities on, on, on the bread. And there was a lovely comment from Steph where there was one where she was a bit exasperated and just sort of turned to the camera and said, if they, meaning Paul and Prue, didn't have to be here, that would be a lot a lot nicer, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and um, and just uh, when they went over to Alice at one point, Howard, and they said, it's you know, it talks about Alice and what a good workout needing bread. And I don't know if, if you're aware of this, Howard, but there's so many more like boot camps now out there, like, you know, Barry's boot camps, one I, I visited. There's a big industry, you know, people after work going off to these boot camps. I'm thinking maybe the three of us could all work together on some kind of baking boot camp where just by doing the skills needed involving kneading, that would build up our oh, muscles yeah. massively. Yeah. No, I was shocked when I when I first went into the Bake Off uh, tent because I'd got a, a, a kind of what I thought was a traditional way of kneading. And you've got people slapping it down and all sorts with these different techniques. So, yeah, there's there's lots of ways of, of kind of working out with bread. I mean, and across a five-hour challenge like that, that is tough work on the arms, presumably, Jane. Well, it is tough work. I like kneading because it, it, it's actually very relaxing. You've just got 10 minutes of, of beating up on a bread dough, but also they've all got stand mixers with dough hooks. You right. don't need to whack it in there with your dough hook for 10 minutes and get on with another loaf. You know, you don't always have to do it by hand just because that's the traditional way of doing it. Yeah, I would have struggled with that I can't, I, because I'd never used a stand mixer. I really should have done a bit more practice before I went into the. Yeah, you've said this before, haven't yes, you? Yes, I know. When I uh, so I I I I was actually quite scared of using the stand mixers. So if there was an opportunity for me to do something by hand, I felt much more comfortable with that. I just want to, you know, it's an interesting thing that came up. Helena talked about having laryngitis, and and you could tell she was fairly unwell in this episode. I, I guess you're just putting so much work. The idea of pulling out through illness must be, you know, a horrible thought. You've just got to power on and hope that you're better by the time you, you know, get through and be back for next week. I think it depends on how ill you are. I think in, in the past, and I couldn't tell you what series, there have been the altercation where somebody yeah. did miss a week. Um, but... And in my year... But Terry, Terry missed a week last year because he oh, was Oh, yes, he did. Terry yeah. missed one, and that's not yeah. the first. Mm. But in my year, Louise was really poorly in Biscuit Week. Really, really poorly. Um, and went out in Biscuit Week. And I think that's a shame. It, you know, in hindsight, perhaps she shouldn't have taken part that week and just sort of pulled the sick card. I don't know. Because it is very difficult. I had a horrid cold one week and asked to be next to a sink because I thought it wouldn't be very... There were only four sinks in our rows of, of benches. Not every bench had one. Just so that somebody didn't see me snivelling or wiping my nose on my hand and then kneading some dough. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, she, she persevered. She give, did. Give us, she I did mean, well. The, there was some amazing creations. I mean, how there were... You know, what leapt out to you? We, we had Rose's Bread Safari, which was... You know, I, I I really liked and uh, and looked beautifully. Babe, we had Alice's Global Bread and Jane. You already mentioned the trio Af- African Master. Oh, I loved Ned. those. Which one leapt out to you? If you had to pick one or two, Howard. I, d- I did love the bread safari. I thought I thought that elephant was wonderful. I know yes. it probably was mm. a bit of charcoal or something in the bread again, but just just that that skill of being able to get the ears to come up on the elephant higher than. 
and other things. It showed a real understanding of of how deep to make the uh, the cuts in the bread. Yeah, I mean, she mentioned that she'd never been on actual safari, as if we'd give her more credit for knowing what an elephant. <laughs> well done. You know what an elephant looks like, despite having not gone on safari. So well done, Rosie. So Jane, was it David's trio of African masks that appealed to you the most? Well, I just thought it was really clever, and I thought they were very impressive. And I know we got sort of some splittage going on, but I'd love to talk to him because underneath there was the paler bread and then he had the red one standing out in my mind but so then there was a sort of red covering that then sadly split a bit more than it should have done but I just thought they were so clever I loved the idea and I'd love to talk to him about how he did it and I think just well obviously we can't taste we don't have taste vision we can only go on what the judges say but I thought it was a bit mean to say all style and no substance substance which is what Paul said I didn't I disagreed because I thought David's the whole concept of that was brilliant I love Rosie's bread as well just have a thing about these bread challenges for instance Amelia's which I thought was a lovely idea but they had to make two loaves and I think this is what scuppers a lot of people is you think yes the brief is two loaves but I've got to do so much more Mm. So I'm going to turn it into this, that and the other. And then they run out of time because actually, although five hours sounds brilliant, you you can only bake really two loaves at a time and everything's going to be baked at a different, uh, you know, be in there for a different length of time and all that. And they almost make it too complicated. I thought Phil, who had really taken it at its word and just did two things. He did two loaves. He certainly didn't get pulled up on not having done enough work because he did plenty of work and he managed to get it all done in time and did a great job. So I think some of them, and and poor Amelia does stand out to me, is she, I thought the concept was great, the design was great, but it was just too complicated for the challenge in the time. And we all get caught out on that. We all feel we have to throw the kitchen sink at our mm. bakes and you just have to... F- fulfill the brief you don't have to do a million and one things which year was it was it alvin who made a horn of plenty which was stunning um but he must have done about 10 different loaves to go into his horn of plenty and i think one of the comments then was you didn't need to do so much so for future bakers if you're thinking of applying Yes, push the boat out a little bit, but don't go too mad because it will trip you up if you're not careful. Yeah, I mean, that's a good example maybe of what we've spoken on, on previous episodes of people, you know, wanting to make sure they get through to next week. And, and Phil's probably a good example. He did a great job and the feedback he got was, you know, was terrific. The bread was, you know, delicious. And he followed the brief, didn't go too overboard and sailed through to, to the following week. In terms of Michael's, we should uh, we should talk about maybe because, you know, he went on and, and had, you know, great success this week. The image uh, of what he was trying to do was, was you know, given huge credit and the, a great loaf and the flavour was good. Were you impressed by, by his Howard? I think, yes, I was. And I, I think he got the balance right between the scoring and then just highlighting that with a bit of colour. Whereas I think it was, uh, I think it was Priya who they, they suggested that she should do more scoring and less painting. Because I think I think people sometimes think, oh, it's not enough to just follow the brief and to do what what's required. Let let's you know, let's highlight this a little bit more. Yeah, I I agree with Howard. I 
I yeah, more charcoal, more charcoal with Michael as well. But however, he was making a campfire, so I do see the relevance of that. But I thought Priya going in with so much of a paintbrush disappointed me. When I'm going back to David again, I know it did split, but his colours were there naturally. I don't think he used any food colouring to paint on there. Um, and I think, yeah, that's why his stand out. And yeah, I wasn't quite so mad about Priya's. Having said all that... Again, I think they did a very good job. I think they're a very, very talented bunch of bakers. And when people go home, it's it's not because they're bad. It's just because the rest of them are really very good. OK, it's time in the show for Howard's Hump, uh, <laughs> which you'll remember from the last couple of weeks. Howard, what has given you the hump about this week's episode? Oh, you're, do you know I'm getting quite a reputation for being... I think you're bringing out my inner grumpiness, aren't you? <laughs> Um, so I think it was as it's getting toward. We we, we know we've we, we started with thirteen bakers. We know that at some point, uh, two people will go. Conversation this week. Sandy said, "Are you going to send two people home today?" And Paul had this expression, which, uh, which was so so convincing. He said, "It is a possibility, a very strong possibility." And then he didn't. So it's like, oh, how many weeks are we going to see this for? It's a possibility, actually, every week <laughs> that two people will go. You're so right, because they said it on it on week one at one week. Two people, we know, we know. that I think they're just trying to increase the drama, it, it feels there. Yeah, but that's an incredibly valid hump. Thank you, Howard. Having had Howard's hump, it's time for Judge Jane. So, Jane, star baker, uh, in the end, Michael got the nod. Was that the right decision? Yes, I picked Michael. Um, I thought he obviously did brilliantly in his signature. In the middle of the pack for the technical, but the technical, I you know, I thought was very even. And then a stunning showstopper. Steph was close, but yeah. It was Michael for me all the way. I think he did a great job and should be very proud. It's never nice to see someone to go. We've we've seen some good characters leave already. But in the end, it was Amelia. Yeah, sad to see Amelia go. She was lovely and a, a real addition to the programme. But I'm afraid she she was my weakest baker this week. Were you worried at all? Because in the little conversation we see, they mention Henry's name. Were you getting worried? <laughs> yes, they mentioned three, actually, didn't they? They mentioned um, Henry, Amelia and Alice. I think the tie swung it for, for Henry this week. <laughs> I think so. Everybody should come with a tie next week. But Henry had won the technical. So when they said Henry, Alice and Amelia, I must admit, I was pretty sure Amelia was gone. Uh, yes, I think so. I think they just say that, don't they, to uh, give you a bit of a bit of a sort of uh, a bit of a tension at the end. You know, his they didn't particularly like his a signature. They wondered about the flavours, but you know, his his showstopper was all right, and he came top in the technical. I don't think Henry was in any re real danger, and I don't think Alice was either. I um, sadly, I think Amelia had marked her own card through all three challenges. 
Yeah, so as you said there, Howard, we were 13 to begin with now, just 10 left after three people have departed. But it was a really enjoyable week to watch in the tent. And remember, if you do want more information on Bake With A Legend and coming to our classes led by former Bake Off stars, do head to bakewithalegend.com. As I said earlier, we've got a number of classes. We did, as you'll remember, mention we were going to have a competition to win uh, two places at Ian Cummings' class. That will be revealed on social media and there'll be another competition uh, going soon. So if you don't already follow us on all our social media platforms please do and uh, we would love to hear from you so if you've got stories about meeting uh, a Bake Off star or questions you want to pose do email the bakedown at bakewithlegend.com so Jane Howard thank you so much for coming in again and I look forward to doing another podcast with you next week just heard a stripped media production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.